Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Play by Players. Today, we are joined by one of the local young talents in MLS, who has played almost his entire career here in the great city of Houston, Texas. He has played over 125 MLS games for the Houston Dynamo and over 180 professional games total. He has an impressive goal and assist rate in MLS. Y'all know I love the numbers, scoring a goal or an assist in every fifth game that he's played in. Uh, he is the pride and joy of El Campo, Texas. Please welcome to the podcast, Jose Guillermo Rodriguez, better known as Memo Rodriguez. Awesome. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, obviously, you know, it's always a, a pleasure to speak to you guys and, and hopefully, you know, we have fun with this conversation. Yeah. The, and for those that don't know, um, there's two important things you need to know about Memo right off the bat. Uh, the first is that uh, I've gotten to see Memo grow up uh, and that uh, he was a young, a young man. Maybe I'll call him a boy in the Dynamo Youth Academy when I played here. Uh, and and then he was, uh, you know, not just a, a teammate practicing up uh, with the first team. He later went on to become a first team member and and then scored goals against me when I got traded to DC. So uh, the second thing, the second thing about Memo is uh, he's a part of this homegrown generation. What that means is uh, he didn't go to college. He came straight out of uh, straight out of high school. Um, so a lot of times uh, in the format, we do go through uh, college and high school and things like that. So for Memo, it was a little harder to, to get some dirt on him, but uh, he's such a nice guy that uh, I don't think I have any dirt to get on him today. But uh, Memo, what you know, I, I talked a lot there. Uh, the, the whole thing about you being a, a youth in the youth academy, we'll get to that. Um, but uh, when you hear when you hear me saying that you scored against me, like, what is that? Does that bring you a lot of happiness? Yeah, I, I think. Um... A little bit. I mean, obviously not for you, but um, I do remember scoring uh, the header in, in D.C. at RFK. Um, it was a it was a rainy game. The field was, you know, drenched. Um, and Y'all beat us I, down, man. Y'all beat us down that day. Y- yeah, I think we scored three goals in like 10, 15 minutes. Um, and you, you guys were down. Um, but I do remember remember that game clearly, and, and I remember the header I scored against you guys. Yeah, you got up, man. It was like I said, man. You know, he used to be this little guy, and then he just he, he hopped up and uh, good snap header. So wait, that's in the past. We're not going to focus yeah. on that. How, how you how you got me benched for the rest of the year? Um, <laughs> I, I mentioned uh, I mentioned Del Campo. Um, you you know, for those that don't know, people listen to this all over. And, uh, you know, that's in South Texas. I- I'm very familiar with it. My wife uh, grew up or went to high school in Port Lavaca. Um, okay. You know, that's a that's a for, that's a real hardworking culture. Um, you know, I know you come from a family. You have you have three uh, three younger brothers. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what it was like growing up. Um, you know, I, I consider that South Texas. I know it's not we're yeah. going to go into Rio Grande Valley later. That's that's yeah. really South Texas. But exactly. Uh, talk to me a little bit about El Campo. Yeah, I mean, it's a super small city. Um, it's more known for football. Um, our high school is the, the Rice Birds. Um, so so we're, we, I don't even know still to this day what a Rice Bird is. I mean, obviously, maybe for rice, it's a bird that likes rice. But to this day, I don't know why we have that mascot. Uh, but yeah, it's a small town. You know, it's something, you know, that everybody around, there's neighbors, everybody knows each other. 
Um, the only sport that, I mean, Boys and Girls Club had every sport, swimming, soccer, football, um, but they're all recreational. There was nothing really competitive. So it was more like play with your friends, have a fun time, and just have a nice curricular activity to do with, with your friends and family because you could also play with your family as well. I played with my, my cousins um, growing up and the recreational soccer part of it because I never played no other sport. I wanted to get into baseball a little bit, um, but it, I don't think it was for me. I just wanted to try a different sport. There was a period of time where I was like soccer, soccer, and it was all fun and games um, at that point. But um, I wanted I asked my mom, hey, can I try baseball? Maybe, maybe it's something different and maybe I like it and I'm good at it. But she said no. And I was like, fine, I'll stick to soccer and just kept playing soccer. Um, but there's really not much to do. I mean, other than, you know, spend time with friends and, and family. I mean, our closest mall is either an hour south more to Victoria or an hour south to Sugarland, which is, uh, so we did all our shopping in Victoria <laughs> or we had to come to Sugarland. So it's, we really didn't have much, much to do in El Campo. Yeah. Well, um, you know, first of all, I think you would have been a great baseball player because you're so strong with both legs, right? A lot of power and hitting, but you know, we won't, we won't bring that up to mom. Um, yeah. You know, the rice birds, you, you asked the question, I have the answer. Um, you know, because El Campo, it's a big rice, you know, you see all those rice farms when you're driving mm -hmm. down there, they got those towers everywhere. Um, and, and rice birds, I think they come out of uh, like the Philippines and, the, and Asia where the rice fields are. And it's a specific type of bird. And El Campo, they literally say any bird that hangs out by a rice field and eats rice is considered a rice bird. So I think it's pretty cool. It's like, it's a real yeah. diverse thing. Um, you know, I always go into history. I won't tell you, I won't bore anyone with the history of El Campo. And <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's got a cool history with the railroads and the connection Rail, yeah, exactly. to New York. So I know and, a little bit about the railroads. A little yeah, bit, it's, um, it's, a, it's a cool town that you're from. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I don't think people realize when we talk about it, it is small, but it's a, it, it does have some cool history. So let's talk back. You brought your mom up. We're going to focus a lot on her because she's a very important part of your journey. But um, as far as your brothers go, um, you know, I know that there, I've, I know, I know your story, um, and that there's a little bit, I don't say resentment, but, um, talk to people about your brothers. Everyone always says, well, you were a great soccer player. What about your brothers? T talk to, uh, everyone a little bit about, are your brothers soccer players? I know you get that. Yeah. 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 So, so, um, so growing up, we all played soccer. Um, uh, we had two left footers on the team and then two right footers. Um, the two left footers are the younger, younger ones. Um, they all played soccer. We all played at the Boys and Girls Club growing up, played with family and friends, like I mentioned. Um, they wanted to kind of, they had to stop at a certain point because my mom would drive me obviously to, to Houston or to other places to, to train competitively. Um, but they still played in like Sunday leagues with my cousins and stuff like that. Um, but they, do, they did love the game. You know, they, they did want to be professional soccer players. Um, at the end of the day, it was it was a little bit tougher for them than I mean, I, for my journey, it was tough. Right. But for them, I think it was a little bit tougher um, just because my stepdad worked and my mom was caring for for me and, and, and my brothers um, driving wise. Um, and my grandma also lived with us. So it was tough. My grandma didn't, doesn't drive. So it was a little bit tough. So if you, even if my my brother that's next to me wanted to go play in Houston, it was going to be real tough because of the scheduling that, that I had um, when I was playing competitively. So, but they do love the game. They do play now. They play in Sunday leagues with, with, with my cousins back home in El Campo. So 
you know, when I have time, you know, I go watch their game and, and, you know, support them because at the end of the day, they supported me in a way, um, not the way they wanted to, but they did support me and, and I'm very appreciative of them as well. Yeah, that's, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm the youngest of four boys, so I get it. I, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the other end of that, but, um, yeah. but you, you kind of hinted at your mom driving you. I, I think you kind of under, underplay that, um, the, the round trip from, El Campo to Houston. It's, uh, you know, where the Dynamo trained. And, and uh, before we get into the academy, I want to talk about the Houstonians. But, uh, you know, it's about 140 miles round trip. And those programs require four, you know, sometimes four or five days a week. Um, you know, I, I, in getting ready for this, I couldn't imagine doing that now with the price of gas. But in general, yeah. just how, how big of a drive that was, um, you know, that, that's a huge commitment. I know the other famous guy in Texas that parents drove him like crazy was Clint Dempsey. I'm kind of reminded of that yeah. story. Um, you know, when I hear about you and your mom and the commitment she made getting you, uh, getting you to the city. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was super tough. I think there was a point where nine to nine to 10 years old where, you know, me and my mom, um, more my mom made a decision is like, if, if I wanted to be competitive, if I wanted to grow um, as a player, as, as a person, then I had to get out of, uh, the small town where we were just playing recreational soccer and it was really not getting us anywhere um, development-wise. Um, obviously, it was fun and games, playing with family and friends that you knew from the from the town, but it was a big decision, obviously, for me and for my mom because she was she knew that she was going to leave three three kids behind with with my grandma and and they were going to... The, they were younger, so at that point, they were not really, hey, like, why are you taking Memo to, to these games and why are you not taking me? Um, so from the age of nine all the way to the age of 17, 18 years old, she, she drove me an hour and a half back every day, um, four times a week. Um, and then you had, sometimes you had a game on the Saturday, which was five. And sometimes there was a doubleheader Saturday, Sunday. Then she would be six, six times a, six times a week. And, you know, she did that for 10 plus years. And, you know, I can't, you know, appreciate, I can't thank her enough um, to this day. I mean, she doesn't miss a game at all at home. Uh, so, you know, for her doing that for me and, and, and leaving my brothers behind and obviously making a, a big decision, um, for both of us, um, at the end it, it paid off and, and it was, a, you know, something that, you know, I always keep close to my heart. Um, it's actually pretty funny whenever, when I first signed before Dom left, I had a meeting with Chris Canetti at the George R. Brown and it was just a meeting. Hey, like memo, you know, we got a meeting with. Chris Canetti, the owner, the owner and president. Um, so me and me here, like where, where the old offices were at. It was like a, it was small, but I know it was it was at the George R. Brown and yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. you know we had the meeting. Everything went well. I knew it went well. Um, I got I got to the, the car, and and my mom was like, what, like what happened? What did they tell you? And I was like, mom, like. They said that, you know, maybe wait a year or two that, you know, maybe I have to go to college and maybe develop. And she was like, what? What are you talking about? And then I was like, no, mom, like, like we did it. We made it. Um, she started crying. I, I started crying as well. Um, and it was a bittersweet moment for, for both of us. And we both accomplished it. I say both of us because, you know, without her sacrifice, um, obviously with my hard work on, on the pitch, um, and her sacrifices, um, you know, we we're both able to celebrate that moment for, for each other. Yeah, you got a little ahead of me, which, which that happens. Uh, you know, the we did it thing is awesome. I think that's so cool. Um, you know, we were uh, we were talking tattoos before you got on. 
And I was, you know, that would be, that would be something I'd get tattooed if I don't have anything cool. I don't have anything, any cool sayings like that in my life with my, with my parents. Uh, so, um, well, let's, before we get into the, the, the academy and then again, uh, the first team, um, I talked about the Houstonians, you know, I always joke that these clubs, they, they claim these guys, but I mean, are, are they allowed to claim you? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, they, okay. they, they, they for sure, do, for sure do. Um, I think I joined them when I was U13 or U12, if I'm not mistaken. And then ever since I did my whole club um, with them. And even there was guys before me that whenever their pre-academy was around, so it was the U15s and they would only train on Wednesdays. I remember this clearly. So there was already players from our club team already training with the Dynamo and the Dynamo Academy since, you know, they trained at Del Mar, since they trained, before Del Mar and there was guys on our club already training with them and I'm I was still just training with with our team and I was like hey maybe I want to want to go train with the Dynamo Academy um one day or or the pre-academy so they definitely do have the recognition and and you know that statue that status of yeah. them claiming me um obviously you know I, I did like eight years with with the historian before I joined the Dynamo Academy well, uh, for those, I, the way that I do this show, we always talk about notable alums. Um, by the way, you are a notable alum uh, for El Campo, so congratulations. Uh, and Thank then uh, for that program, they claim you. I told you that. There's also Uvaldo Luna, I guess, went to Monterrey. You had Bronco Ramirez with Cruz Azul, Armando Castillo with Ticos de Guadalajara, Javier Betancur with Pachuca. I got the Pachuca shirt out today. Uh, Josue Soto and Navacoba, who were uh, Dynamo guys, yeah, Christian Luc uh, Lucitero, who's now with the Dynamo, and then Sebastian Ibiaga, who was with uh, you know several MLS clubs now at LAFC. Those are just there's the Montero brothers. There's a ton of guys that came out of that program, which really kind of highlights just how how impressive uh, soccer is in Houston. And and for a lot of people, they don't realize, or maybe they do realize, it's a huge uh, you know like melting pot full of people. Um, you know, talk a little bit about what it was like playing with such a diverse group of guys uh, growing up. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I think they, um, they, they, um, so my best friend, um, his dad, his name is Dennis Lewis, and he was my coach at Histonians, um, other with the other few coaches. And he, he and two, two other, two other dads, you know, they took me under their wing. So, some days my mom maybe couldn't make it on time or, or maybe it was going to be a little bit late to the game. You know, they offered their open their houses for me and, and those relationships I have to this day, you know, I keep up in touch with those guys. And, and obviously I may, met my best friend and, and my best friend's dad and his family, you know, I lived with them my first year or my, my third year when I came back from, from loan from RGB, um, just so I could save up money, maybe to to purchase a house or or live in an apartment. Um, when when I saved up enough money, so I stayed a whole year with with them and and those guys. Like I said, those are relationships that I'll never forget. And and I, to this day, I still talk to them. And you know, we we still have you know family events, um, friend events that that everybody goes to. And obviously, different players went different paths. We're not or they're not working, or or they're doing other things, but you know, they have successful careers in, in what they're doing, but it's just fun that soccer in, in general, you know, brings, you know, joy to everybody and it can actually, you know, we have we have a great relationship with everybody. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, and you know, 
I always say I, I stayed with people playing growing up. I had to go stay at other people's houses because you get to a level where uh, if you want to make that sacrifice, sometimes you have to do that. And, and I always I feel like that's really cool for you because they get to share in your success. Right. They helped you uh, achieve that um, that goal that you wanted. And so they can kind of live vicariously through you. So that's uh, that's really neat. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Dynamo Academy, um, you know, for. Just I remember I would help out with the academy uh, when I came back and I retired. I'd still go out there and it's it's there's so many kids. Right. It's really hard yeah, yeah. To, to show well. And and you have guys that some days, you know, like you. Right. You, you come in from really far and then other days some guys don't make it. So um, if I remember correctly, you, you kind of played like a six, like a like a you were the holding guy there. And I and I feel like there were a lot of guys on that team that ended up signing. uh you know, that you played with, whether they were your age group or not, they ended up signing MLS contracts at one point or another. And I feel like you, you maybe didn't get the credit that you deserve for the, you know, the work that you did. Um, do you think that's an accurate statement, you know, early on? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, it, it's, it's a little tough because I was, I was smaller. I, I would say also as well. And, and I was always a guy that, you know, loved to, to work hard and, and try to show, uh, my potential and obviously the goal was always to sign a professional contract um, maybe there were just other players on their radar already that they're focusing on and and maybe and maybe that's why but you know at the end of the day you know I had a, I had a grind um, for everything that I have and you know it's something that that I like doing so um, for me um, it was just work hard every day and, and being able to get that chance and and obviously the reserve league was around. So whenever, you know, I got caught up to that, it, it was, it was maybe, Hey, now he's on the radar and, and maybe he gets a spot or maybe he gets a chance to sign a MLS contract um, whenever, you know, he's ready. Yeah. And I remember the coaches when we'd watch those reserve games, um, you know, and that's the biggest thing was, you know, you had Francisco Navascova, you had, uh, you know, Brian Salazar. These are just guys that, uh, good players, right? They're good players, but they would they would have moments of brilliance, right? Where they dribble everybody and score a goal or get a shot mm -hmm. off. And and the issue with those guys, uh, which is kind of a testament to you, right? Is is they? I remember them saying, like, you know, with Memo, we know what we get, and we get the same product every time. With these other guys, like, yeah, sometimes they do something brilliant, but then they they disappear for the whole game, and so you just never know. And it's interesting because those guys ended up signing contracts, you know, pretty early and they kind of fizzled out. And, uh, you know, in your case, right, you you well, before I get to that, let's talk about the academy. You had a ton of success there. You play over 80 games. Um, I looked at your scoring record because I care about numbers. You have the same, you know, I not forget assists. Right. You had the same exact scoring rate, even from a holding midfielder position. Right, You score almost every five games. Um, when you're doing all this, right, you start getting called up to train with the first team. Those are the games that we just talked about. Yeah. Did you have, uh, were you self-doubting yourself at that point or were you pretty confident in your abilities? Like I can do this, you know, based on your, your experiences with the first team. Yeah. I mean, I think there were sometimes there was a little bit of doubt. Um, obviously um, there was guys getting signed before me, like you mentioned. And, and, you know, I, I'm a guy that likes to work hard no matter what. Um, if, if I'm on the bench or, or starting and, and for me, my, my only goal was to become a professional soccer player. Um, there was, there was also a point where, you know, James Clarkson, you know, I was like, Hey, like, 
I want to sign a pro contract. Like I'm, I'm not going to go to college um, to go play. And, and, and he was like, okay, we'll just wait and see, you know, we speak to um, Chris Kennedy or, or Dom at that time um, to see what they think. And, and obviously it was, uh, I think it was, at the end of the day, it was, it was my job to, you know, keep working hard and, and try to be noticed um, that I can be a difference maker in, 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 in what on the pitch. And at the end of the day, you know, it worked out. Um, obviously, well, before, before we get to that, I mean, who do you remember? You know, I always ask guys this, do you remember somebody that made it hard or that somebody that really helped you? And like, I know, you know, I know Ricardo was there, right? Um, I know you had some really good guys to look up to, <laughs> excuse me. Um, you know, do you remember anyone really helping you? Or I always give the guys the opportunity. Sometimes there were guys, you know, I always say Mike Pedke made it really hard on me yeah. uh, when I was coming up. But, you know, I'm grateful for, for people yeah. giving me that challenge. I mean, what do you remember from the early on, the, the veteran guys ahead of you? Yeah, I think it was, you know, um, you know, a little bit of like Brian Ching. You know, he was still, he was still around playing for the team. Um, there was times, you know, where, I would get the ball and I do like something fancy. And there was, I, I can remember clearly that Brad, you know, he grabbed me like around the neck kind of like pulled my Jersey and like, and like tugged me. And I forgot what he said to me. I mean, I, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't some, it wasn't something nice either. So I, I don't remember, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I tried to like pop it over him and in, in a small side of the game. And, and obviously those guys and, you know, they're working for, for, for their job and trying to put, provide for their, for their family and put food on their table. And, and there was a point, you know, where it was like, whoa, like, like maybe, maybe this is, you know, a little bit too much and maybe it's too fast for me to, to become a professional soccer player right now. But there was a few moments and a few tackles where, um, you know, you had David Horse at times, you know, you had him call him full speed. Um, Eric, Eric Bruner. Yeah, he's a big dude, man. Yeah, yeah. Eric Bruner, um, he, he was there. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about Twitch later. He's at Twitch now. Yeah, yeah. So so he's he's uh, he was good friends with Eric Alexander, and that's how uh, okay. I knew about about him working at Twitch. But you know, there were some guys that you know that you know would would scare you on the pitch. I remember I actually when I was in the academy, I remember we played inter squad scrimmage with um, the first team, and and I remember when Jeff Cameron was still on the team, he he crushed one of our forwards, and he said some bad stuff to him. I was like, oh, I'm not getting close to that guy. There's no way I'm getting close to that guy. But he he like wiped out one of our one of our team one of my teammates and you know he went he got it got it onto his face. The kids on the ground he got into his face and said something to him and I was like mate man this is this is the real deal. Like this is this is the next level. Yeah man I mean both all those guys you said are I would consider them all winners, right? Brad's a winner, yeah. Brian's a winner, Jeff's a winner. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't mean that you have to no. get in some guy's face and grab him by the yeah. neck, but, but it's more about that competitive nature where, exactly. um, you know, you got to bring it every day because, um, you know, these guys like, like that goes back to my compliment to you, right. Was, um, you can't just have a great play every once in a while and expect to be there. You see how it is. It's so hard. Yeah. MLS is more competitive now than when I played. Meaning you got to bring you got to bring it every single day, every game, or or there's a guy waiting that's just as capable. Uh, you know, he might do something a little different than you. Might not be as good on one side, but better on the other. And and that's the that's the league that you're in now. So um, I, I understand that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's you know we kind of talked a little bit about 
um, you know, mom, we made it. So you, you sign, uh, you're the sixth guy that signed a homegrown contract. There's only been 15, I believe, as of this date. Uh, Tyler Derrick, we we talked about, Francisco Navascoba, Alex Dixon, Josue Soto, and then Brian Salazar. Um, when you sign, only one of those guys is on the dynamo at that point, right? Everyone else is either, I think Francisco might have been down in Columbia. Alex Dixon, I think, was uh, was it Rochester, maybe, or one of the uh, USL teams. Josue was with USL. And I'm pretty sure Brian Salazar, who goes by uh, Slime Poppy now as a rapper, uh, he's he's completely out of soccer. So when you're, when you're looking at it, is the goal, like, I don't really care what happened to those guys because I'm not them. Um, or are you looking at this as like, man, this could be a, this is a big risk. I mean, it sounds like you were all in, like college wasn't even an option. You were just like, yeah. I'm going. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, I was all in, but there was, you know, just around like the, the dynamo, um, I would ask like, wait, well, hey, what happened to these guys? So I don't do that, but they did it wrong. And maybe, maybe they didn't do it wrong, but you know, maybe they didn't, the coach didn't like what they did or, or, or their habits or, or anything like that. So at the beginning, I was I was a little nervous um, because maybe because usually at, at, at that period, you know, there was young guys signing, but, you know, they wouldn't play. They get loaned out and then maybe they 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 don't have a contract anymore. Maybe they go somewhere else and try to figure out how to play. So I try to do um, what those guys maybe didn't do right and, and try to do it right for me. Um, obviously, I just kept grinding and, and just um work hard and, and do everything I can so so I can get a chance um obviously I think I did enough um obviously I'm, I'm here speaking to you today so um, yeah, yeah. but 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 no but at the beginning I was um, a little nervous obviously because like you said I, I knew that those guys weren't part of the Dynamo organization anymore so I didn't want to do anything um what they did you know yeah and, and I'm I'm very critical of this part because I love you know all those guys I just said like I knew where they were and, and I still talk to them um you know I do feel like this industry it's cutthroat right and and there there's this you were kind of like in this class and think about a lot of those guys that signed after you right Bradley and um they didn't like I mean they fizzled, yeah. they, they fizzled out immediately and, and there was this romance around signing guys to be you know to say oh we've got homegrown talent coming through and like Houston's a hotbed man there's so many ballers. We went through those guys playing, not just in MLS, but playing in Mexico. There were guys uh, in that Houstonians club that got down in South America that I didn't name. Um, so there's a bunch of ballers. It's just how do you get those guys to, to get to the dynamo and produce? And I would say you're, you're probably looking around the league. You're probably one of the more successful um, homegrown guys in that, you know, a lot of guys sign, they might have a year or two where they play or they're there, but uh, there's, you know, there are some really great success stories in Alfonso Davies. And, um, you know, now I'm thinking of like Kate Cowell, some of these guys that are now making a name for themselves. But I feel like you're a, you know, you're one of the, the more successful ones, not just with the Dynamo, but with the league. And, and that's a testament to you. But I'm also critical of, of the program of like, hey, let's pull this guy out of his opportunity to do something else college related. And then a year later, he's, you know, he buys a car. They don't educate him on that. And then he's out of a job with, you know, a, you know, not to pick on one guy, but he's got a, a really nice Camaro that he can't afford anymore. So yeah. um, let me let me ask you this. You come into a locker room as an academy guy, right? What's it like for you the day that you walk in and instead of having like a, a shared locker in the other room or maybe like some uh, some locker that doesn't have your name on it to now 
This is uh, Rodriguez's memos locker now. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit nerve-wracking just walking into those uh, um, locker rooms and seeing all the guys in, in the position that you want to be in. Um, you know, I try to ask a lot of questions. Um, I, I know if you've probably heard Kaylin Carr ask, you know, I mean, say, you know, I, I like to ask questions. I mean, I was nervous to ask those questions because I didn't know if I was going to get a smart remark back or, or like, piss off kid you know you're not even on the team or anything like that um but you know it, it was fun I mean you know you definitely grew a little bit as as a player um I knew that I have a little story that we so whenever it was me Bradley and two other academy kids um and Tim Haley was a goal, goalkeeper coach um so we're going to the to the hot tub um and we're going to the hot tub and the two guys get in front of me to go to the hot tub and I'm I'm changing how I was about to go follow the guys. So they're in the hot tub and I see Tim just walking to the to the hot tub and he absolutely rips the the academy guys. What are you guys doing? Not in those words. You guys do not play on the weekend. Like what are y'all doing? Y'all gonna go like wash the laundry for for those guys so they can be ready for like for the weekend, like you guys have no part in this. You cannot go in there. You cannot go in the medical room. You cannot get massages or anything like that. And I was halfway there, and then I had a towel on the on my shoulder. I just walked right back in, right back. And I was like, I'm not going in that hot tub. Oh man, th those were like those are those, like learning experiences. Those you guys know. took those guys took bullets for you, man. Yeah, I know. And then they got mad at me because yeah, they said I didn't go in, but. But I was going. I was going. I just took my now, time. Listen, but... listen. Tim Hanley was—he's uh, a lifetime MLS guy. He, that guy played with George Best. Uh, for those that you know, old school guys on here, uh, Tim has been around forever. He's still in the league coaching. Um, you know, and and he loves nothing more than just you know giving guys a hard time. So he, oh, I know that's I know that's intimidating for y'all, but I guarantee you, he he might not even have told anyone about that. He he probably just laughed to himself and then went about yeah. his business. So. Um, well, let's fast forward. So, so you're on the team. I remember, um, you know, I checked in The guy said you had a good preseason, but sure enough, season comes around where you end up in Charleston. Talk to me a little bit about, um, I think this is where you had maybe your, your first real test of adversity, right? You go down there, you're, it's not where you want to be. Um, but you know, talk to me, is that the first time you've ever lived away from uh, alone? Alone. Okay. So t talk us through what this, you know, you know, talk to me about Mount Pleasant and going to Charleston. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a tough, tough road, tough year for me. Um, obviously, you said living away from home, living away from my mom um, was difficult. Um, I didn't know how to cook much. Um, my mom always growing up said, hey, you need to come see me cook because one day you're going to leave and and you're going to need to learn how to cook on your own. And sure, sure did. You know, that year came around and I'm like, crap, I call my mom every single day probably um just try to help me just cook and 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 try to see what I can make to to eat but on the soccer side of things it, it was a little bit difficult because even over there I didn't get a get a chance maybe I had like 17 appearances but those 17 appearances made it might have been five minutes 10 minutes um every single game um and that's um that whole year you know sometimes I doubted myself um, is this really for me? Is this is this the route that I want to take and become a professional soccer player? Uh, I would have many conversations with my mom, um, my friends, family, 
um, to see if they can, you know, motivate me in some type of way. And obviously I, I'm very blessed with the support system that I have um, that helped me get through that, those situations um, because I didn't want to be there. You know, I wanted to play. I, I felt like I, I deserved a chance over there, you know, at least to prove myself, you know, maybe if he's not, if he's not good enough, then maybe, hey, okay, he can sit down and play five, 10 minutes, um, let the guys that have been here longer um, play. But those were that year was, you know, it was, it was a, it was a bad year for me, um, mentally, physically, um, you know, I was, I don't know if I was not prepared or, or maybe it was something that, you know, that young kids have to get through and, and see if they can get through it. Um, some break, um, some go through it. And then ultimately I'm here today and, and, and I'm blessed, like I said, with the support system I had that really get me through those times. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I think it's, it's more about your willingness. Some guys don't even accept that, right? Like, Oh, I'm not going, I'm not doing that. That's the new, I think that's the new MO, right? Is I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going down there. I'm not going to this place. Um, let's talk about when you get back, um, you know, you, you come back to the dynamo and it's my understanding that at that point they kind of release you from your contract and then kind of turn around and say, we want you to go to, uh, cause at, at the time, for those that don't know, the USL affiliate um, for the Dynamo was Charleston, but then the next year they opened up um, Rio Grande Valley, which is down. And when I say South Texas, I mean, that's real South Texas. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about where, were you excited about this opportunity or were you kind of looking at this as like, Oh God, here we go again on this, uh, this round two of not necessarily where I want to be. Yeah. So, I mean, I did, I did the preseason again um, with the Dynamo. Um, that year and then after the preseason's over with I have a chat with Matt Jordan and the coach was Owen Coyle at the time if I'm not mistaken um saying like hey we're releasing you um but you know we have a project going on at Rio, in Rio Grande that that we want you to be a part of and you know for a second I was like like here we go again you know maybe I'm gonna stay with no team after this and they were like hey you do well maybe we'll sign you to another first team contract, um, but, but only if you do well. So um, there was really no other option for me. Um, I had to go down there. And, and then once, once I was really down there, I was, there was a chip that, that really turned, turned me on, turned me on and, and said, Hey, I'm going to do a good season here and I'm going to get back to, to the dynamo and really show, you know, the qualities that I have to become a first team player and, and, and stay here. Um, thankfully, um, Wilmer was there. There's a connection and, here, right? There you go. Yeah, yeah. So Wilmer was there. Um, he was going to be the first coach. I knew about him just because, obviously, you know, Columbia national team. He's um, coached um, U.S. soccer national teams as well, youth. Um, and we, you know, we had a great season. We played great soccer. Um, it was off. It was fun. Fun. You know, I think we there was a period in time where they didn't score a goal on us in like a thousand minutes or something like that. So we were having a great time down in, in, in South Texas. And, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm doing pretty good um, during the season. And there was open cup games that were going on as well. And some guys would get called up except me. So I think there was two or three guys that got called up to the open cup games with the dynamo. Um, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, Hey, like, I know I'm doing good. Um, and I didn't, I didn't get the recognition down there. Maybe from, from the first team, maybe he, I wasn't doing good enough to get that opportunity. So, you know, I was a little bit disappointed, obviously, at the time. Um, but, you know, like I said, my, my support system, I would call my mom, hey, like, hey, like, 
this guy's getting a chance. He's doing well, but I want that chance as well. Um, she was like, you know, you got to keep calm, you know, keep, keep working. Um, and at the end of the year, you know, we have, we made it to the quarters. I think we lost to Oklahoma city, if I'm not mistaken. Um, great, had a great season. I think I played most, I think I played most of the game, scored eight goals, if I'm not mistaken, and, and a few assists. And, and then it c- comes around, you know, Wilmer's appointed head of coach uh, of the Dynamo the next year. Um, so I'm hoping for for a chance. So I do preseason with the Dynamo, obviously, the next year because he knows. So I think it was like eight eight of us did preseason with the Dynamo that year from the RGV. Um, I did good in preseason, you know, got a contract again. And and that was like all the hard work that, that I really did, you know, really paid off. And now is the moment in my career where it's like, hey, like time to step it up and, and time for you to stay here and, and, and really make a name for yourself. Yeah, and, I, and again, I think I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it goes back to that, um, you know, they, they know you're a consistent performer, right? And that's what they wanted. And uh, Wilmer's got to see that. And it's hard. It's sometimes hard to show that that real value, um, you know, if you're only getting a, a preseason game here and, uh, you know, you're the second or third string guy in the, in the, the walkthroughs before, you know, because these guys are, these coaches are trying to build a, you know, they're trying to get, an idea of what they're going to do with their starters. They're not really given a lot of these, you know, it's hard. It's a hard thing to be on the cusp, man. It's, it's not easy. Um, you know, so I, I give you a lot of credit for sticking with it. And, you know, I, I think it's great that these USL guys, you know, you have a coach now that came out of that, that program and, uh, you know, they're able to see, you know, the, the hidden gems that, uh, yeah. that maybe got missed, you know, in the, in the day-to-day stuff of the MLS. Now they're getting an opportunity to see you firsthand. So, um, you know, then you get there, Wilmer, you know, he kind of has a, I guess my question to you is, and I see a lot of people ask you this and I've heard some mixed reviews on your answer. Um, you know, he played you like that game we talked about where you scored against us. Um, he played you kind of out wide and, and you kind of played all over. You are a very utility type guy, but where do you, where do you prefer to play? I mean, do you prefer to be in the middle? Yeah, I definitely prefer um, to be in the middle. Um, obviously I played in the middle everywhere. Um, this season, um, I just like to get on the ball a lot, and I think I'm a pretty good passer, dribbler, and you know, I like to get out of tight situations. Um, um, I want to think I'm a pretty all-around player in the midfield. You know, get out of different situations and and help the team with assists. Um, but I did do, like you said, I did all all my career with Wilmer out left. Um, I had my best season out left. Um, with him, um, but you know, I I can play both. I can play everything top six guys I think I can play maybe not forward too much but I think I could play all the other five forward positions on the pitch yeah and uh, someone can fact check this and I realize what we just talked about you were kind of uh in Charleston for a season you were in uh, Rio Grande Valley uh, you know RGV but I actually think you might be the only guy in Houston Dynamo history that played through every coach that's been a coach uh, in MLS meaning you had Dom Kinnear with uh, when you're when you're there early on that we talked about. You had Owen Coyle, Wade Barrett took over his interim. You had Wilmer, you had Davey Arno take over his interim. Tab Ramos, Tab ends up putting you back in that middle spot, right? That's that's where he wants you. And now you got Paulo Nagamura. So, as a guy, I always say it's never great to necessarily be on teams that have a lot of turnover because um, that usually means that the coaches are moving on for one reason or the other. But 
uh, how have you handled it? Because I feel like, you know, I hinted at it earlier that like every day you got to prove it. But if every day you got a new coach coming in, and I don't mean every day, but that's a heck of a lot. <laughs> you played for more coaches at your point in your 24? 26. 26. You're 26. You played for more coaches at 26 than I did at 35, right? So um, it's hard, right? Like, how do you, you know, yeah. does it go back to your, it goes back to your, you know, how you prepare? How do you, how do you know uh, every year, like, okay, I got a new coach. I got a, a new coach halfway through the year. I got a new coach uh, over, all over again. How do you get ready for, uh, for that transition and, and, you know, stay, uh, stay hungry, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's super tough. I mean, um, because you know, well, later on, like I knew like how the league works and how the business side of things work a little bit. Um, but it always was like, Hey, like stay focused and stuff like that. But there was a, there's a point where you're like, Hey, like new coach coming in. Hey, maybe he wants to bring his own, his own players. Maybe you get traded. Uh, maybe you get cut um maybe you have to go to usl again and prove yourself so there was always that in the back of my head and um uh, trying to do something every year so every preseason i i you know try to get in the best shape possible every year even better than i did before to prove you know because at, at, at those points you know that hey you know tab tab is coming in or you know wilmer was coming in and you got to prove to these guys that you know you deserve to stay there right um but like I said, sometimes it was hard because you didn't know what kind of players they were looking for at the time because they're building uh, a new team. They want to they want to be successful. Obviously, everybody, all the players want to be successful, but, you know, they, they want to keep their jobs as well. And they have to put the best team possible in order for them to get those wins. And, you know, and if the team's winning, then obviously, and you're not part of that, then they'll move on from you, of course. And that was always in the back of my head, you know, you know, you have to prepare every day that you're fighting for your job because, like I said, one one day or the other, you can get traded. Um, but it was it, it was a little bit difficult, I would say, and I think a lot of the guys probably could say that as well. That it was a little bit tough just because they know how the the league works. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's got to be tough, right? Because you know, now it's it's almost a clean slate for everybody, right? So everybody's got to really ramp it up. Um, you know, um, let's have a little fun. You are, I consider you a Houstonian, meaning it's El Campo, but um, you, you really could choose between San Antonio and Houston. You clearly were coming to Houston. Um, let's talk a little bit about this rivalry with, with Dallas. Um, that, we talk about Houston having a bunch of great names, guys that went on to do great things. Dallas is the same way. Now you're involved uh, with this Houston Dallas rivalry. I think it's one of the most underrated rivalries in MLS, having been a part of um, a couple at other places. Um, what can you tell me? Like, like you seem so chill and you're such a nice guy that I feel like you might not have a bad thing to say about Dallas, but as a guy that's been in these rivalries, how do you feel? Uh, how do you feel towards Dallas? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think just growing up playing in the Dynamo Academy, you know, we, we've grown up not to like them. Um, I don't like, I didn't like the five hour bus ride that we always had to take um, with, with the academy and then driving back the same day. Um, but, you know, you learn um, not to like the team, obviously. And, and, you know, every time I play them, it gives me a little bit of more edge, you know, to the, for a tackle or, you know, something, you know, sometimes, you know, you get, you're like, Hey, maybe I'm going to get a yellow in this game and, and show, you know, that we're not a soft team and you always want to, you know, show to those guys that, you know, it's, it's a rivalry and that we're not going to take anything for granted. And, 
we're going to show you on the pitch who who we really are. All right, I like that. I like that. Now I'm going to make it even harder on you. You're a you are a Mexican uh, family. Uh, you're Mexican American through and through, right? Um, you have yeah. locally said um, that you would accept an offer from either team. You know, ideally, perfect world, right? You get a, you get a choice of either one. Um, you know, how do you? There's been a lot of criticism, and I hate it. I hate the criticism that people give um, dual citizens, meaning guys that have the options to go play because they earn that right through their ancestors, right? Yeah. Um, when you say things like that, do guys give you a hard time about saying uh, uh, Mexico or U.S. or do they do they want you to choose? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people always ask me like, when Mexico plays USA, they're like, "Who are you going to choose?" Like. And then if I say Mexico, they're like, oh, but you're for, you're born here, you're born in the USA. And then if I say USA, oh, but your family's Mexican and what are they going to say about you? But it's it's tough. It's super tough. I mean, you look at now and and, and soccer has evolved so much that maybe maybe I'm, I'll choose one side more than the other in, in today. Yeah. Now, listen, I love I, – I don't understand how you can live any city in America and not love people from all over, but – I mean, I, I, my favorite thing that's happened is Canada has just kind of snuck in here and, and all of a sudden are, are, are all of a sudden awesome. And it's like, where'd they come from? And yeah. um, you, you, you played with the Jamaican guys and the, the, yeah. you know, the Hondurans. And uh, so exactly. it's, it's such a diverse place that I, I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, as a, I, I didn't get to this earlier. I meant to ask as a kid growing up in El Campo, like when you watch, I feel like everyone, like I doubt, and you can say, you can lie to me and tell me it was me, but it's not, I know it wasn't. Um, like when you watch soccer as a kid, like were you watching Mexican league and, and trying to look at those players and say like, those are the guys I want to emulate or were you watching MLS or were you watching England and Spain and, and saying, you know, who are, who are your influences? Yeah. So for sure. So my, my, my stepdad um, would always watch on Sundays, the Mexican league. Um, and we're, I'm a big Club America fan. Um, maybe a lot of people don't know it, but, you know, I, I'm a big Club America fan. Um, that's who he liked to watch, and that's who I watched, you know, every single day. I mean, not every single day, every single week, weekend. Um, and I wouldn't miss a game, so I knew all the players. Um, I knew from the staff to everybody um, growing up, I didn't miss a game from them. Um, and then, obviously, as, as you know, I started playing competitive soccer in Houston is like, Oh, there's a, there's a Houston team called the Dynamo, obviously. Um, they're like, Hey, maybe and then I, that's when I started watching the league a little bit, but I started watching Liga MX way more than, than I started watching MLS growing up. Yeah. Well, if I had known that I would have put my club America shirt out um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I have these shirts, I have this shirt out because, um, you know, I've, I, I played so many games in uh, CONCACAF. I was fortunate to be on some really good teams. Um, and it was crazy because I would ask these guys to trade. I love trading jerseys because, um, you know, I don't remember. I remember the game and uh, the rivalry, but like I really cherish these jerseys. And I, I played for coaches that had a huge problem with me trading, um, especially in games that we didn't win or um, but for me, and I played some guys in Mexico or, and they came to the U S and played and they, they refused to trade saying, Hey, Hey, I can't like, it's just not accepted. It's not a, it's a cultural thing. And I don't know. I, I think it's interesting now that, um, you know, looking at our league and these big Mexican superstars are coming here and, you know, you've got one on your team now. That's uh, it's incredible to me that a guy came from Atletico Madrid, um, captain of the Mexican national team is now playing in Houston, uh, 
you know, I didn't want to go too far into that, but you know, what's that been like for you? Because I never played with somebody uh, of that stature in terms of uh, notoriety and, and what he's, what his resume looks like. Yeah, it's great. I mean, um, I, I, you know, I watched, you know, Porto, I watched all those leagues. Um, so I knew about him because I follow the national, the Mexican national team as well. Um, and him being part of our team, it was like, wow, like a player like that's coming to our team and he, he's come from two big clubs in, in, in Europe. And, you know, you, you can see his quality in training. You're like, wow, like maybe, maybe I'm, I'm good at what I do, obviously, cause I'm, I'm a professional soccer player, but maybe to get to that next level, maybe, you know, I got to step it up a notch. Um, if I want to do one day go to Europe or, or to Mexico and, and play. Um, and, you know, he's made our team better, obviously, and with, with his quality that he brings. And he's also a leader and he's, he's a super nice guy to everybody. He, you know, he speaks to everybody. Sometimes you think, oh, those players come from European, from European soccer. And you're like, oh, they're going to think they have an ego or, or anything. But no, he's, he speaks to everybody. He's super chill and, and he's a leader um on the pitch and off the pitch you know he's always vocal in in what he wants to accomplish and what we want to accomplish together as a team well no he's uh yeah it's incredible um i i I think it's also incredible that he wears jean shorts that are the same size as my wife's um i've been i love i love there's a lot of guys like that in our locker room i I know there's a lot of guys like that in the league now um it happened before i left um and i was I, i love jean shorts so i was i'm a big uh you know, uh, arrested development for those fans out there that know uh, what never nudes are. Uh, that's getting a little <laughs> off subject. Let's talk about, um, I, I, I mentioned earlier, we talked about Eric Bruner and Twitch. Um, you are uh, probably the biggest gamer that I can think of um, in terms of, especially for the Dynamo, maybe in the league. Um, you built a, a pretty good name for yourself and that that's, a, that's a, a cool brand in terms of being a guy that plays video games. I know you've done uh, tournaments and charitable things with it you know talk a little bit about do you have you know a lot of these people don't understand gaming and they don't understand twitch or what that is can you just tell people like what uh you know one what twitch is and two uh what are your favorite games like do you play all games or just a couple of games no i play a, a couple of games and and twitch is um obviously a streaming platform that you can play games and also have a webcam on and and broadcast yourself while you're playing that game so it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I watched Twitch every day for a little bit just to see like your favorite streamers. And, you know, I got an idea um, before, I think just right before the pandemic happened, I started buying stuff. I was like, hey, you know, maybe it gives me something to do. Um, so, you know, I did it for a bit. You know, I streamed, like you said, I did some charitable things and, and just try to get engaged with fans. Um, from the dynamo or, or from all around the world, just because sometimes, you know, you're at the stadium, they ask for your jerseys or ask for a signature and maybe you can't get across everybody. And maybe it was something for me just to reach out. Like they can, they have a chat, a live chat that they can, you know, comment whatever they want. Um, and I can speak to them. So just being engaged with, with fans and, and, and the community of, of, of Houston. And, and like I said, around the world, it was something that I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't do it too much for two years because we were, we were losing. And I was like, I don't want them to think that I'm prioritizing yeah, that's um, gaming. Um, and, 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 Wilmer, and Wilmer is that guy that would have judged you for that. So that was probably. It, it, 
exactly so he was definitely one of the guys and i was like just the way he like carried carried himself and carried the team sometimes you know i was like definitely not gonna stream probably this year for not doing well and and for sure he was definitely a, a part of why i didn't stream that year um i don't want people to think that i prioritize that and, and not focus on game well, it's interesting because the teams themselves and the league prioritizes esports now and a lot of people mm-hmm. are confused by it um have you and again, this will be the last gaming question we have, but I think it's interesting because it is a part of our world and I think it's going to grow even more. Um, I have three children, so I know the importance of games. Um, for the esports stuff, have you had the opportunity? Let's talk FIFA because I know I think FIFA, would you say FIFA is probably one of your best games? No, I think it would be the least, to be honest. I don't is play, it? I, yeah, I don't play FIFA really at all. I, I don't own the game. I, I like, I know how to play the game. Um, but I don't I had, play it. I, I had that wrong. I thought you were the dynamo rep for that when you did the tournaments. No, uh, I did do the tournaments because I was like the only gamer kind of on the team. Okay. And okay. I, and, and I knew, I knew how to, I know how to play the game. I'm not great at it. Um, but I know what I'm doing. I, I'm a more like a call of duty type of guy, Fortnite. And, okay. That's and what I was going to call Apex. What I was going to ask was, you know, Stuart Holden was a very good gamer. Um, he went to, uh, you know, national world tournaments for, uh, Oh God, I can't remember. It was a war game with five people. Anyway, for you, um, I was going to ask for these FIFA guys, you know, people play FIFA or people play these games. Like what's the level? Like, is it, is it Sunday league versus Real Madrid? Like your level versus the pros, or is it a little more, you know, a little more even in terms of playing these, these really good players? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends. Like when we had, when we had, um, so whenever I just enter tournaments, sometimes on like Call of Duty, sometimes on the weekend, not now, um, obviously, because I have a kid and I, I can't, I can't play as long as yeah, I yeah, can. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Keep going. You know about it. Keep going. Uh, so, so I would enter into these tournaments and think, you know, like it is going to be pretty, pretty easy. And, and you're in a group of four guys, but there's two guys with you. So you're a teammates of two, but you're on a team of four. And I'm like, Hey, this is going to be, these I play all the time. Um, I'm gonna, you know, me and my teammate are gonna blow these two guys up in in, in Call of Duty, um, and we get smacked. And I'm like, maybe I maybe I need to keep on playing. And and I and I play a lot. I played a lot. So I was like, I'm very good at the game. But these guys were on a different level. Like you said, Champions League, and then it's like Sunday League. And I was in the yeah, Sunday yeah. League for sure. But there's there's definitely. They say it's, like po- to it. it's like poker, right? You think you're good until you play someone who is good, and then you say, I'm not very good. So exactly. uh, the game I was thinking like for that. Stuart was it's called Counter-Strike for those Counter-Strike, Counter-Strike yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, you talked a lot about, uh, we, you know, just to highlight, you're a very charitable guy. Um, you've done things with USO, um, multiple children's charities, and MD Anderson, I got to give uh, them a shout because Val gets mad if I don't. Um, MD Anderson <laughs> Cancer Center. That's uh, but but you are very charitable with your time. I think that's awesome. I think that's you know when I say people say to people you're a, a really good dude. Um, you know you're you're putting your time out there for people that uh that you know are less willing or you're giving back to your community. Um, you mentioned starting a family of your own with your little boy. Um, and then I want to kind of focus on this. Uh, you 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 talked a little bit about your mom and the commitment she's made to you. Um, I saw a thing in the athletic about uh, something that you were hoping to do for her. I think you made this, maybe made this statement before you had your family now, but, um, you know, talk to, 
people and what you hope to achieve in terms of giving her, I, I can't remember the name of the place, but it's like a, like a drive-through. Yeah. So it's, um, so it was always a dream of hers. Like when, when you go to Mexico, you see them everywhere. It's like a, it's like an open barn. So it's like an open barn and they have like big refrigerators on each side. Um, and then obviously if you have a kitchen in, in that side, inside that barn, then she wants to make food as well. Um, and it's something that she's always dreamed of. And, and, you know, we're, we're looking for, for places now back home to see, um, where we can, you know, start, start the business. Cause she wants to start working and, and doing something, um, for her. And, and it's something that she always wanted in her life. Um, and it's super convenient. You know, there's a lot of lazy people that don't want to get off at convenience stores to get a, you know, a Snickers or, or a drink. All you have to do is it's like a, just a drive through store. Um, just with the added, she'll start, she'll cook. If there's a kitchen, you know, she'll cook the food that, you know, she makes on the weekends and, and, you know, that's something I want to get started for her. And, and we're definitely looking for places back home um, to get that started. That's so cool, man. I know you're like a lot of people, they say they want a house or they want a car and you're like, your mom's like, I want this, I want this, yeah. this, this concept that we don't have here. I want to bring it here. So I think that's awesome. So Memo, listen, I feel like I've known you for a decade because I have known you for longer than yeah. a decade. Um, you're a reminder one that I'm old but you're also a reminder that uh, there's some young, talented, and uh, really good people uh, in this world. And, and I'm happy to have been a small part of your journey early in your life. And I'm thankful now for you uh, letting me tell your, your story to the listeners uh, about your journey up until this point. So I wish you luck going forward um, You know, with, with soccer. Hopefully national teams are in your future. It sounds like maybe Europe or Mexico is a dream as well. I wish you luck with all that. And, uh, and, and vamos Estados Unidos. Uh, but every, uh, uh, that's Memo Rodriguez, everybody. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Bobby. I mean, it was, you know, great having conversation with you and, you know, telling everybody a little bit of my story and, and, you know, you were part of it as well. So, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you were a part of it as well. Awesome. Thank you, Memo. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at mlsplayers.org.